Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. I know this is going to be a significant time in your life because my wife, Charlotte Gambrill, has an incredible word on her heart for you. Come on, let's get this started. This next few weeks, we're going to spend talking about one of the most crucial areas that really is fastened into all that I've just shared, areas of relationships. We're going to talk about relationships over this next month. Now, you might, you might say, oh, well, you know, I know all there is to know. Really? I don't know all there is to know. I think all of us have got more we can learn about relationships and how God wants us to relate. Isn't that right, teenagers? Amen. All the parents said, amen. We're calling it relatability. We touched on this subject last year and we did it as a night service topic, but we felt to bring it into the main body of the church to talk about this, to focus on it, because actually I believe that for many of us to have a breakthrough year this year, some of the breakthroughs that we need are in our relationships. The biggest place of blessing in relationships can always be the biggest place of our stressing. There's nothing like relationships to stress you out. There's nothing like the people around you to drive you crazy. There's nothing around, about, around, like the relationships to test your grace, to stretch your patience, to, to put you on a roller coaster up and down. People will do that to you. And yet the Bible tells us clearly that we are designed by God to not do life alone. The Bible tells us that He has called us and He's placed us in a family. Whether we like it or not, God says, I want you connected. I want your life to be joined up with other people. I don't want you to do life alone. You're not made or designed to do life alone. You're supposed to have other people around you. You're supposed to do life in relationship. And whether we like it or we don't like it, it's God's idea, it's God's design. And so we've got to get better at doing life relationally. We've got to get better at knowing how to build relationships that are, that are grace-filled, that are compassion-filled, that are strengthening, that are, that are something that the world looks at and goes, I don't know how you build marriages, parent-children relationship, friendships like that, but I want to know because my life is a disaster relationally. I, I think the church has got a, a lot of work to do with showing the world how to be great relationally. That actually one of the things that people need to know most and desire to know most in our world, in our offices, in the places where you take your kids to school or you do life, one of the things that people desire the most is, is to have meaningful relationships. So many of them have meaningless relationships. They, they, they go from one person to the other, one relationship to another, one, one, one night stands to another one night stand. From meaningless relationships that, that they, they try and put their emphasis into and their, their, their meaning into and their feelings into, but it comes to nothing and yet they're disappointed again. And I think the church could be a great reflection for our, for our society of what it looks like when you have God at the center of your relationships. But we've got to do some hard work work if we're going to make that happen. There's breakthroughs that God wants to give you in 2015 and they're to do with this realm. He wants you to have a breakthrough in your marriage. He wants you to have to break through in the friends around you. He wants you to have a breakthrough in your relationship with your kids, but it's going to require us to do the work. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 is a well-known verse and it talks about how two are better than one. How when you fall, somebody can help you up. When, you, when you're cold, somebody can keep you warm. The two are better than one. And God has called us to do life that way. Jesus himself was a relational guy. He could have come to earth and he could have lived as a loner. 
He could have said, I'm anointed and I have all that I need and I have God, you know, and my relationship. I don't need people. I don't need to be around people. He could have lived aloof from people. He could have said, don't come near me. I am holy. I am withdrawing. I am anointed. But Jesus was not that way. Jesus was the most relational person you could have ever met. Jesus was a friend to sinners. Jesus hung around in the marketplace. Jesus went over to people's homes for dinner. Jesus decided to do his life with 12 guys that were gonna cause him to have relational nightmares and yet he still chose to do it anyway. He chose to do life with a group of guys that would drive him crazy, doubt whether he was telling the truth or not, doubt whether he knew what he was doing, question what he was doing, not have belief when he needed them to have belief, not pray with him when he needed them to pray with him, betray him, leave him, stab him in the back, deny him. That was the group that he chose. That was just his circle of close friends. Hello? So, you know, maybe yours are gonna look great this morning by the time I've finished with this subject because Jesus had all manner of that inside of his relationships and yet he still said, build a relational life. Build a life that connects. Build a life that is vulnerable to the relationships. Build a life that's willing to be open. Build a life that allows people in. Just before Christmas, I was driving my car just down the road here and uh, the traffic was slowing down and, and I went to slow my car down but I had a big boot on and my foot slipped on the accelerator instead of coming straight off the accelerator and as it slipped, I nudged my car into the back of the car in front of me. I had an accident, first time I've ever had a car accident in my life and, and so I nudged forward, it was very slow, it wasn't hardly any damage at all and the lady was fine and I was fine. It was dark. We got out of the road, but it was an accident. It was an accidental collision. Now, the accidental collision led on to all kinds of more problems that then went on to this person not being happy that I had bumped their car and then accusing me of doing things that I have not done and then saying that the car was a write-off when the car literally had a scratch. And now you realize, okay, now this person's trying to pay for Christmas through my bank account because this whole thing was escalating into something that was not the truth at all. And thank God, Andre Lesseur was passing by and saw my car and pulled over and therefore is a witness of the whole thing of which he's like, this is crazy. There was nothing on the car. But, but, it, but it reminded me of the way we can do relationships because I accidentally bumped into this woman and my accidental collision with her, my connection with her was not on purpose. And because it wasn't on purpose, what came next was whatever she decided and what I ever decided to make out of that situation. And in life, I think many of our relationships are accidental collisions we have. And I am asking us to think about our relational world over this next month and become more deliberate in the collisions we have relationally with other lives. Become more deliberate in the people that we want to impact and we want to impact our life. Become more deliberate in the choices that we make because deliberate collisions are entirely different than accidental collisions. Deliberate collisions are, I am driving my life to be in, impacted with your life because I see something in you that I want in me. I see something about you that I want around me. I see something that is specific to your way you're building your world that I think will help me build my world. And if I hear anything time and time again, when we do dare to be and me and Nat sit down and we talk and we talk about our friendship in the question and answer part, they say, well, you know, how do you get a great friendship? And I'm like, you're deliberate. 
You actually are deliberate. You say, I'm going to build some great relationships. I'm actually not just gonna let anybody bump into my life and railroad me. I'm not actually gonna take whatever I happen to bump into. I'm actually gonna pray. I'm gonna get specific. I'm gonna make some decisions that make my life be deliberate on purpose about relationships. I don't know if you think about the relationships in your world right now, how many of them you would think, well, that one was deliberate, but that one kind of happened. And the ones that usually just kind of happen are the ones that often have more damage than they do benefit. They're the ones that often are more high maintenance than they are low maintenance because the collision was not anything that you purposed in your mind. Jesus was very deliberate. Jesus deliberately went to 12 and said, follow me. He didn't walk into a mass of people and say, whoever wants to come with me and be my disciple, I'll take anybody because I'm desperate. No, he walked past and he said to the guys in the boat, come and follow me. He was deliberate in his choice of the ones that he wanted around them. And I believe that we too need to learn how to be more deliberate in our relational choices. I wanna speak in the last 15 minutes that I have um, and we'll see how we go because the great thing is I get to repeat the message. So that's cool because I get to finish what I don't finish here. Um, I wanna talk about three types of relationships that I believe are key in any one of our lives, three types of relationships that I think help you build well relationally. And then as this goes on over the next few, few weeks, I'm sure that others will unpack aspects of this and look at different angles of this. But I wanna set the bigger, broader picture of being relatability on across the board with these three types of people that I think that we need. The first one is I think we need relational feeders. The second is I think we need relational breeders. And the third is we need relational leaders. Feeders, breeders, and leaders. I'm gonna break those down and talk about all those three types. And so if you're taking notes, this is a very note-friendly message this morning, which doesn't happen very often when I preach, so take advantage. But I really want to help you think about the people in your world and the choices you're making, the on-purpose decisions you're making to have in your world. These three types of people are, are, are bring different things to your life. They bring different skill sets to your life. And I think all of them are necessary. And as I talk about them, I, I think it'd be healthy for you to begin to identify, do I have those people in my world? Do I have the people that bring that to my world? And if not, why don't you be deliberate in 2015 about finding the ones you do not have in your world and welcoming them in? Relational feeders, the first category I wanna talk about, these are the people that I would say are soul food to you relationally. They're the people that when they come in your life, they make everything about your life just feel better. They're the people that when you're around them, you feel like you're 10 feet taller. When you're around them, you feel like there's nothing you could not do. When you're around them, you feel encouraged. It's like they embrace you with their words. It's like just being in their company makes you feel better. When you got to them, you didn't feel great, but when you leave them, you feel amazing. They have a gift and they have an ability to feed you in your soul, to feed you strength, to feed you energy. They, they come alongside, they come around you and they kind of, they have a push effect on you. If I have Jock come up here, you can help me. If I was to illustrate what feeders do, you just stand right there. This is feeders in your life. Feeders, you can face that way. Feeders are this. 
They push you. They, they, they say, come on, you can do it. Come on, you, you've got this. Come on, you, you know, you, you, you're great. Come on, God is in you. Come on, this great. They, they push you. They, they make you feel like you were flat and now you're up. They make you feel like you're down and now you're not down. They, they feed you. They, they, they never say anything negative. I mean, they really don't. You can sit down. They're the kind of people who, who when you're around them, they, they just... It's like, have you got nothing bad to say? And they really don't. And they're a rare breed of people. I was in America recently and one of Natalie's great friends, um, uh, I went to speak, he's the dean of a university and I went to speak at this university. And she said, you know, afterwards you need to go for lunch with Brenda and Phil because everybody should have a Brenda and Phil in their world. And I said, okay. And so I went for lunch with Brenda and Phil and Nat showed up at lunch and for the first 15 minutes, Brenda and Phil just told me how awesome I was. And I'm just like embarrassed by the conversation. I'm like, yeah, thanks, th thanks. And I had my head down. They're like, no, you need to know this. You need to know that when you said this, this was awesome. And when you said this, this is what happened. And this is what I see in you. And this is amazing. And Nat looked at me and she goes, they're not gonna stop, just let it roll. And I was like, this is so weird. And she's like, everybody needs a Brenda and Phil. I was like, after the conversation, I'm like, I need Brenda and Phil in my world. I'm going to find me deliberately a Brenda and Phil in my world. Because when I walked away from the table, all I felt was like I could take the world. I felt like, wow, the, what was in me is now awoken. I just, I felt a sense of lifting up. I, I felt a sense of just being elevated. And I believe we all need feeders in our world. I want to say to some of you in here, you are desperately in need of a feeder. Somebody that helps you, lifts you up, comes alongside you. Maybe you are a feeder to someone else, but every feeder needs a feeder for themselves. That friend that, you know, even tweets you. When they tweet, you know, some people, I just look forward to their tweet. I know one's coming. I, I'll post a post and I know it's coming because they're just going to say something awesome. And even though maybe I'm not being awesome that day, they're still going to say I'm awesome. I, I think there's something about that that is a gift from heaven to our lives and we need those people. And I know it's not British. I know it's not our culture. I know it's not our call. Well, that's embarrassing. Well, you know, they might get a big head and let's not worry about that. Uh, we can deal with that. We'll move on to that because the next group of people will not let you get a big head. So we need these people before I get to the next group of people because they don't let you get a big head. So you have to have the balance. You, you have to understand that all these people play a role. And, and, if, you, and if you don't have any feeders in your life, then, then you need to find some in 2015 because they'll help you get a breakthrough. They're gonna to talk to you about how great you are and how good you are and they're gonna encourage you when you feel low and they're gonna put positivity in you and it's gonna lift you up and it's gonna make you think differently. Jonathan was a feeder to David's destiny. The Bible tells a story in 1 Samuel that there was a conversation happening between Saul and David. Saul was Jonathan's father. And Saul was saying to David, you know, I need you to do this for me and that for me. And they were having this conversation. And as they were talking, the Bible records, and it says it best in the Message Bible. It says in 1 Samuel 18, it says, and it's entitled this, Soul Friends. And it says in 1 Samuel 18, it says, by the time David had finished reporting to Saul, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them. And he became totally committed to David from that point forward. He would now be David's number one advocate and David's number one friend. Jonathan, out of his deep love for David, made a covenant with him. He formalized it and he gave him gifts. 
He gave him his own royal robe. He gave him weapons. He gave him armor. He gave him a sword. He gave him a bow and he gave him a belt. Jonathan people are feeder people. Jonathan, who was the king's son, was not intimidated that David was going to take his role as the, as the one that would take on the crown after his father. But Jonathan was so secure in who he was that he would feed what was in David for his future. You cannot be a feeder if you're not secure. You'll never feed someone else if you are an insecure person because you'll be frightened by encouraging them you look less than. You'll be frightened by telling them how great you are, you will look less great. You'll be frightened by telling them that, that, that they're awesome, that somehow you're less than awesome. But when you are a Jonathan spirit, you're like, I am not, go, don't care where I am. I don't care where I stand. I see in you great things and I'm gonna tell you the great things I see in you and I'm gonna feed you all that stuff because where you're going, you need one of me. See, Jonathan knew where David was destined to go. He knew where he was gonna go was people against him, not for him. Where he was gonna go was battles and fighting. And he's like, my job will be to send you into battle, believing that you can do this, encouraging you that you can take this. I'm gonna be a feeder of your destiny. I tell you, those people are a life-giving gift to you and I, and you need them in your world. In 2015, you need feeders around you. Jesus had feeders around him. He had those that just loved on him and looked after him. Lazarus that opened his home to him. They just loved on him, told him how much they were for him, looked after him. They fed his soul. You need feeders in your life. Who feeds your soul? Find them, love them, look after them. Let them know that's what they do for you. Establish it. Jonathan gave stuff to him. He was selfless. He gave over stuff to this relationship and he said it was an instant bond. It was a deliberate collision. He made a commitment, I'm gonna go wherever you need me to go and I'll always be there to cheer you on. I'm gonna be soul food for you, friend. I'm gonna feed you. There are many relationships in the Bible that I could turn to, but time won't permit, where this feeder was happening, where this feeder relationship took place. But here's what I want you to know. You can't just have feeders in your world. Because if all you have in your world are feeders, you will get fat. If you surround your world and if you only choose feeders that tell you you're great and how wonderful you are and that's only the friendships that you have in your world, you will get fat, you will get obese spiritually, you will get a head that won't fit through the door, you will, you will think that you are more than what you should think you are, you will be somebody that elevates themselves because you surround yourself with just feeders. Feeders have their place, but feeders you also need alongside you breeders. <laughs> because breeders are a different kind of company, a different kind of relationship that will bring something out of you. If feeders push you, then breeders pull you. A breeder comes along and says, I see in you something that's been fed for a while. I see in you something that looks great. Now I'm gonna absolutely stretch you to get it out. Now feeders don't do that. Feeders are like, oh, there, there, go for it. It's gonna be awesome, go for it. And then they put the kettle on and they feed somebody else. <laughs> but breeders will say, you ain't got time to have a cup of tea. I'm glad you're awesome. Now get you behind on the battlefield. We have things to do. <laughs> breeders are the kind of friends who when you're around them, you're like, I like you, but I don't like you all at the same time. I mean, when you're around feeders, the Bible says that with Jonathan, David was like, oh, I love, this is like, I love you like myself. I mean, that's what feeders make you feel. You're around them, you're like, you're amazing, you're awesome. But those that help breed you, you don't feel that way about them. You're kind of like, I love you, but I want to smack you in the face right now. 
okay? Breed a relationship, so the ones that we have scripture written about to help us, breed a relationships are the scriptures, these are the scriptures you have to remember when you have a breed a relationship. Proverbs 15 verse 31, whoever heeds correction is wise. You have to remember that because that's what they're gonna do to you. Those who walk with the wise will become wise. Those who walk with the fools will become fools, Proverbs 13. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. That verse was written for breeder friendships so that you don't kill each other. You trust the wound they're trying to give you. Iron sharpens iron is a scripture that is all about those kinds of relationships. You need in your world people that stretch you just as much as you need people that push you. You need those that pull you. And those kind of relationships are the ones that say, hey, there's potential in you. What are you doing with it? Hey, why have you been in this church for 15 years and never served? What is your problem? Do you have lazy-itis? What's your problem? Now the, now the feed is not going to say that. They're going to say, oh, bless your heart. You're faithful for 15 years. That's amazing. You've been coming to this same church for 15 years. I mean, that deserves a medal. But the breed is going to say, 15 flipping years and you've never served anywhere. Get out what's in you for crying out loud. That's why you need both. Now, if all you have are breeders around you, you're going to be absolutely worn out. You're gonna be worn out, exhausted, frustrated, forever feel nagged, want to slap people all the time, be in a mood most of the time because you have too many breeders and no feeders. Do you see what I'm saying? You need both these skill sets in your world. All of one is not good. You need a balance of them all and you need to know who brings what to your world so you don't expect something from a breeder that only a feeder is gonna give you. The disciples were that to one another. So Jesus knew what he was doing. He got all these boys and he shoved them in a confined space. And he said, welcome to the relational class 101. You are going to breed from one another the things inside of you. You're gonna get out the good, the bad, and the ugly because I'm gonna put you in close proximity together. And they rubbed each other up the wrong way and they annoyed each other and they probably fell out more than they should sometimes and they disagreed and they saw things from different perspectives. But God was saying, this is awesome. This is what it looks like to build relationships that mean something. This is what it looks like to build relationships that are gonna actually take you somewhere. And we all need those people in our world. We need people around us that when they're around us, they make us better because they'll tell us what we know we should be doing. They'll say to us, hey, there's something in you that if you would cross-pollinate with this person, it will come alive. There's an idea in you. You need to get it out. Stop sitting on it. They'll talk to you in a way that challenges you to the core, but they're doing it because they are a gift from God to your world. They don't want you to stay small. They don't want you to live a life that's inside a box. They want you to become all that God has called you to be. Joshua and Caleb, Moses and Aaron, Mordecai and Esther, Naomi and Ruth. I don't have time to go into them all, but I see inside those relationships, breeder type conversations. Conversations that say, Ruth, get up and go out. Ruth, you can go and do this. Go over to this field and glean. Ruth, there's something in you bigger than me. Go and get it. She didn't stroke Ruth's hair and say, there, there. You lost all you had. I feel sorry for you. You just stay at home and be miserable. She's like, get off your behind, girl, and go and get your destiny. Mordecai said to Esther in the palace, wake up girl, this is your time. Go and do this, go do that. Breeders help you. They, they see the things inside you and they say, why not you? Why not now? Why can't you? And you need those people in your world. If you want a modern day equivalent, it's Ant and Deck. <laughs> I figured that some of you are like Mordecai and who? 
Naomi and who? They're all people in the Bible, but if that doesn't help you, Ant and Deck. I reckon that's what they have in their friendship. You see them on TV and it's like they're pulling out of each other what they're both good at. They're pulling out of each other that gift that they have of communication. They've found a place to stretch one another, to go into stuff together. I, 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 I pray for the day that our church would be an army of that, that actually when you get around people that, that are iron, you don't see them as a threat. You say, I deliberately want you in my world because I know if you come in my world, you're gonna cut some stuff off me. You're gonna talk to me in a way that I need talking to. Let's be honest, some of you just need telling to get over the stuff that you can't get over. And it's not your wife's job to keep doing it. You need a brother around you. You need a friend around you. You need another guy around you who says, hey mate, that attitude stinks. It's not good, it's not fetching. There's better in you. I am the breeder in your world to get the man of God out of you that I know is within you, but I can't do it as a feeder. I have to become this breeder to your world. Some of you guys in here, you need a breakthrough this year relationally. Well, I'm just a man. Yeah, great, awesome. And because you're just a man, you need this more than some others. We need men that link arms and say, I'm gonna be that to your world. I'm not gonna let you get away with your moodiness. I'm not gonna let you get away with your bad mouth. I'm gonna let you get away with that way that you are in out. I'm gonna, when I don't see you in church, I'm gonna ring you and I'm gonna say, where were you? And if you say I'm in bed with a hangover, I'm gonna come around and I'm gonna throw a bucket of water over your head and get you in the house of God because that's not your future. It's not your destiny. I tell you, those people will change your life. Those people will see things in you and they'll, help bring them out of you. We need breeders in our life. I don't have time to spend much more time on this because time has actually gone, but we have five o'clock, which is awesome. But the last one is leader. Leader. These are fewer people that you would give this to in your world, that you would welcome into your world this way, but leadership in our lives is important. We all need someone that's helping leaders. If, 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 Jock, just come up here. If the feeder in your world does this and they push you and they're like, come on, you got this. And if the breeder in your world does this and they're like, come on, pull things out of you, then the leader in your world does this. They see in you something that those alongside you don't yet see. They're way further down the road and they see in you something that no one else is calling out of you yet. And they say, take my hand because I'm gonna take you somewhere that this company can't take you. You need this company. But see, as, as you stand in that alongside relationship, you need someone that's in front of you. That's what Paul was to Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, I, I see in you what those around you might not see yet, but I see it and so take my hand, I'm gonna position you for your future. He said in 1 Timothy, he said, devote yourself to the Scripture. I'm just giving you some advice as a leader, read the Word. I'm just speaking to you as a leader, go away and do some homework. I'm speaking to you as a leader, get prepared in season and out. Leaders speak to you for where they see you're going to go. They don't talk to you about where you are now, they speak to you about where they know you're gonna go. And we all need a leader in our world. You need a leader, that's why it's great to be in church. That's why leadership is important in church. That's why as a leadership, we pray about our job as leaders. That's why you need to be in a life group with a leader. That's why you need to be in a place where you serve under a leader. You need someone who sees in you the things and they call it out of you. Moses said to Joshua, you're gonna be next. They might not know it yet and I know you've got Caleb and I know you've got your mates that are helping you be what you are, but I'm over here and I need you to know you're the man. 
You've got something coming up in your future that I need to help prepare you for. We need leaders in our world. We need feeders, we need breeders, and we need leaders. And here's the thing, you need to know which is which. Relationships change over time. Things shift and different things happen and no relationships are set in stone. Sometimes those that fed you change and they become the ones that help breed the thing inside of you. Sometimes those that you were doing life alongside drop off and now the ones that are alongside you in this season are different. There's gotta be a grace that allows us to find in every season of our life, the relationships that are this to us. The problem often is that we look to the wrong people for the wrong things. Sometimes we look to the leader to be our feeder. Well, the leader should be encouraging me and speaking these words to me. No, the leader's calling you into your destiny. That's your feeder friend's job over here. Your feeder's gonna be that. God sent them to you. That they're gonna, they're gonna bring that out of you. We've gotta stop expecting from one another everything. We can't be everything to one another. I can't be your feeder and be your leader. I might try, but it's never gonna be my primary gift to your life. You don't need me to come, oh, there, there, there. You need me to bring the Word. You need me to say what God's told me to say. That's the job of a leader to say, take my hand. Let me tell you what God's saying. Take my hand. Let us show you what we believe God's saying. That's the job of leadership. But then God says, find your feeders in the crowd. Find those that breed in you what they, what they say and they, and they speak to you and they correct you. Don't just put it all on one person's shoulder. Don't make your husband or your wife be everything to you. Don't try and be everything to your children. That's why God says be in a family because you'll find in the family those that will be that for you. And I'm just encouraging you as we go into a month of relationship teaching to think about are you accidental or are you deliberate? Where are you missing? Who out of those categories don't you have? He says this in 1 Thessalonians, which I think is a sum up of all of these roles in one scripture. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says this in the Message Bible, verse 12. This is the way He wants you to live is the subheading. And now friends, I ask you, honour those that you call leaders. They work hard for you. They've been given responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. And get along among yourselves. Each of you work alongside each other doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn, which is a breeder, the freeloader, to get a move on. And then you gently encourage, which is the pushers, which is the feeders, you gently encourage the stragglers and you reach out for the exhausted and you pull them to their feet. Be patient with each other, attentive to the individual needs and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, hallelujah, it's in the Bible, you don't snap at each other. I love the Bible, it's so practical. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. There's your feeder. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you to belong to Christ Jesus and to live. I'm praying over this next month in our house that there's a relational breakthrough that we understand the power of relationships, the place of relationships. And some of you let your guard down and welcome it in. Some of you need to join a life group, why? Because it's gonna throw you into some relationships that you're avoiding. So 
need to connect and go to the connection team and just make yourself known to someone so that you can start to build relationships. Some of you need to change the relationships in your world because there's too many feeders, not enough breeders. Some of you need to say, God, and now I'm gonna trust my hand to a leader. I'm gonna actually do that. I'm gonna actually follow that principle through. Stand to our feet all across the room. I have to say the greatest joy in my life are relationships. My relationship with God, but the relationships in my world. I am a relational girl through and through. I love people. I love, I love what He does for me. I love the challenge of it. I love the test of it. I love the blessing of it. And I want us to have a breakthrough year relationally. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment and just think about your world. Think about the people God has gifted you with already, the friends that do these things in your world. And just as you are there, just begin to thank God for the fact that they're in your world. Maybe after today, you need to go and thank them because you've not thanked them for what they've done for you. And you need to be that person that goes and says, thank you. Some of you teenagers in here need to thank your parents because they're leading you into a better life. They're leading you into what they see in you. To thank your youth leaders for being the breeder that comes alongside you and says, hey, I'm challenging that because it's better in you. We need to appreciate it about one another. Appreciate the leaders that are in your life. Father, I just pray for our house. Lord, on this day where we are shifting up, Lord, I pray there be a shift in our relationships. Lord, I pray that there be significant relational shifts this year in 2015. I pray that immaturity would be done with and I pray we would grow up to know what it is to truly have a relatability in you, to encourage and to embrace, to pull and to stretch, to give our hand and to follow. God, I pray that this year relationships will go to another level of depth and spiritual depth within them. I pray that those that are just accidentally will become deliberate with the collisions for their life. Lord, I pray that heart would join with heart and soul would join with soul. The spirit would be lifted and elevated as the right relationships find each other. God, I pray that the relationships would be a blessing and not a stressing in 2015. Hey, that's all we have time for now, but we're gonna stay in this zone because relationships are crucial to our success. And that's why the cross goes two ways. It goes horizontal and vertical. Horizontal to God and vertical to each other. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, but then He went on to challenge us to lay down our life for each other. Regardless of our skin color, our background, our, our bank accounts, we should love people. Unconditionally, people need to be loved. Let's get that rolling in the UK and in Europe and around the world. And literally, we can change society. So stay with us over this series because we really pray that it will make an incredible difference in your life and in the nation. Cherish is our annual women's conference taking place on the 28th to the 30th of May at the First Direct Arena in Leeds. The Bible says that now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Now I know in part, 
Then I shall fully know as I am fully known. He knows everything about you, from the hairs on your head to the destiny inside your heart. God knows you. You are known. Hosted by Charlotte Gamble with special guests Priscilla Shira, Andy Andrews and Jen Johnson with Bethel Music. Don't miss out. You can book online lifechurchhome.com.